This is your host, Sam Jarocki from J-Rock Lawn Care and Gardening. Speaking about all things lawn care, garden related and business wise, whether you do this at home for a bit of fun or if you're trying to break into the business, sit tight and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to this week's J-Rock Green Industry Podcast. This is episode 84. And um, now Sam likes to give it a title, but I think this title will be Taking the Leap. And you may notice that I am a guest host and my name is Dave Warner. You may know me as the lawn guy. So hang on, hang on. Don't, don't, don't switch off. I've got great guests or guests, should I say. So um, just, just bear with me and we'll, we'll get there. So the podcast today is called Taking the Leap. And there might be quite a few of you who are thinking about starting a lawn care company. And there might be some of you who have started, but you're, you're thinking about taking the leap to going full time. So that is what this podcast is all about. Um, I started my company in 2014 and I took the leap um, in 2017. Um, in, in fact, it was six years and six days ago. So um I always wanted to get past that, that five year, they always say, you know, about businesses um, failing in the first five years. So I, for me, getting to that five years of full time was a, was a big deal. Um, and now I've got there, I'm now beginning to tweak it and change it and do things like that to, uh, to improve the business. Um, so as I say, we've got a great guest coming up. So uh, caller on line one, what's your name and where are you from? Hello there, Dave. I am very well, thank you. I am in the northeast of Scotland, and I generally usually host this podcast. I was going to say I recognise your voice. <laughs> so, you did. of course, yeah, I mean, of course, we have Sam, Jay Rocky. Um, some people may think that he's called Jay Rocky, as I've heard from a few people, but no, your actual name is Sam, is that correct? Can you that, confirm or deny this? That is correct, yes. Good. Now, we have you on the Taking the Leap episode, because today's quite a special day for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. So 12 and a half years of what's been military service. And as everyone that's listened to this podcast for a decent amount of time will know that for the last three years, I've been building my own little empire, and it's been running very well. And now today, out of all days, has been my last day where I've been working in the military. So today the, the ID card got snipped up. And I walked out the gates for the last time. What is very surreal. Wow. Well, um, I think on behalf of everyone, we thank you for your service, firstly. Um, and how, how was it? How did it feel as you sort of walked through those gates for the last time? Was, there, was your heart beating or, or were you quite cool about it? Yeah, it's very strange. It's been more than, more than it been an initial, for anyone that's done military service, and I, I know there's quite a lot of people that fall into this trade that's come from a military background, whether it was, mm-hmm. you know, the initial four years minimum service or if you've done a full career, and it could be across the board, police, firefighter, you know, you could have worked within hospitals. A lot of these sort of, let's say, emergency services or like national services of such, they're all similar. There's that many employees within the board that it's it's more than it's ever just been a job. You know, you're very yeah. much, you're very much in there, and you live it. You live the job, and that's mm-hmm. it's a huge thing about it. So, what it's been is it's been it's been a gradual a gradual shift of emotion and 
experience coming to leave in yeah. more than what it has been in a literal sense of walking through the gates for the last time. So it's been mm. very strange. It's been a lot to take in and a lot to adjust in as you know the life will be. And has has you has your sort of opinion of leaving and what you were doing has that changed at all in the last sort of month, couple of weeks, couple of days, maybe even? In regards to have I thought is this the right decision? Not yeah. at all. Because no. I, I feel like it's been a long time going. This only ever, and I spoke about it very early podcast, this for me was only ever going to be something that brung in a little bit of money. And by that, I mean a little bit of money. It was to get yeah. something. It was never intended to be the end goal. And so once when I did find that out after about 30 days of doing it, that it could, it was producing enough money that it could be a career. I then yeah. realized that this was definitely what I wanted to work towards. So when you've been planning yeah. something for almost three years and waiting for kind of the right time, then yeah, it nothing's really changed. Just more the worries that you maybe had about sole income and is it going to take off the way I, you know, you have all the same worries yeah. as if, if you made the decision and then you jumped a month later, I think I still had all them going through my head. What I, it's yeah. crazy because I thought that would have been eradicated being such a long, long period of time, but it just hasn't been the case. Mm-hmm. I've still had the same worries. I've still had the same um, nervous sort of nights and things like that. So, yeah, very much just a real experience about it, I think. Yeah, cool. Well, I've definitely got a lot of questions about the military and, and uh, you know, transitioning over to, to working for yourself. Um, but But what I would like to know, so I know... I know Sam, I know J-Rock, the uh, the sort of the the social media person. Um, I know that you, as you say, you're from the, the Northeast, you're yeah. in the military. But I guess what I'd like to do is give you an opportunity to tell your story. So presumably you went to school in the Northeast, so you're not Newcastle, are you? You're below, is that right? Uh, just above. So we're about, above, 40, yeah, about 40 minutes north of Newcastle uh, within mm-hmm. Northumberland is where I kind of born and raised and I lived the first 16 years of my life. And then, so, at school at 16, was the military the first thing you went into or did you sort of go to sixth form and then find that the military was the thing for you to do or or how did that pan out? What, what was so, your thought process there? Yeah, it almost happened by accident. Now, if you are to say to my mother, you know, what, what was he like as a child, I was always one of them that, Loved the military, loved playing army man, all the rest of it. And although out of everyone, she was the one that most surprised that I actually did it. So the mm-hmm. way it kind of worked for me is I always knew I was I was always going to be somewhat of a tradesperson. I was thinking more joiner because I used to love woodwork. Um, yeah. You know, with, within the, the lessons that you do within school. And what it was is we picked up a class called Uniform Services, which is very selective school to school, whether they have it. But all it yeah. basically is, in a nutshell, is the Marines came in to see you. You go visit the Army, go to the RAF bases, different military services. And I, re- I, I remember when I was at school, I remember someone coming in and doing an assembly. And basically, their biggest selling point was you had the the second most amount of holidays behind a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was what they seemed to really push. Oh right, well it's it, probably not far off. I think you you're starting them. I'm sure it's, I should know this verbatim by now, but I believe it's 36 or 38 days a year you get. And then on top of them being somewhere in a real location, what's counted as where we are now, you get a long weekend once a month as well. So you get two days off a month 
you know, you get a lot of time off, yeah. So <laughs> probably and, more and, and than I, a teacher by the time you add it up. And I guess, you know, with, with try, trying to keep on this sort of tangent for the moment, but I guess actually when you started your business, having these extra days and stuff like that worked really well. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I've I've never tried to come across, and I'm sorry if I ever have, that I've been hard off or worse off than others. Um, because one thing it has allowed me to do, the military as a whole is a very hard, it would be a very hard company to work for, because that's basically what it is, mm-hmm. and have a second job that you could make into a full-blown career. But in my instance, I've been I've landed very lucky in the regards to the type of job that I have. And like I say, not every or I believe no other military regiment has the Mondays and Fridays off once a month either. So that was able to give me it was able to give me the image that I was a full time business owner without actually being one. And and that's been a massive advantage. So um, so you decided to join the military. Mm-hmm. Was it was it always the army or was it uh, you know um, were you did you look at the navy or or the RAF or or a fire brigade or or anyone? Yeah, so I I played with the idea of either going marine Royal Marines or the army, and that was more on when I was growing up. I used to like sitting down and watching like Ross Kemp. So, so, oh, okay. I thought you were going to say soldier, soldier, but that no. might be more my 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 age group. It sounds it, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, like Ross Kemp in Afghanistan, you know, as soon as I knew yeah. that I kind of wanted to do that sort of thing, it was, you know, I used to watch that, on, I still remember on Sky One, and, you know, it was very much all that sort of stuff, and then I kind of worked through the backlogs of, you used to get, you could get like recruitment videos almost, uh, different CDs at the time, so it was, different right. CDs of, you know, what the infantiers do, what the Royal Engineers do, blah, 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 and I sort of just kind of went with that, but one thing about uniformed services is you used to go out to different military barracks and now and again you'd find uh, sign like a an interest form. And what it was, I was 15-year-old at the time. We'd just done command tasks at a local barracks. I believe it was near Otterburn, for anyone that's remotely close to the northeast. And done this form, never thought anything of it whatsoever. It was just putting your name on a bit of paper, basically. And several months later, I got a phone call and it was my mother. And she picked up this phone call and she goes, Sam, it's for you, the army's ringing you. And I thought, that's weird. You know, and I got nervous, like, this is very <laughs> odd. And, you know, I never put two and two together because it was such a a passing thing to just stick your name on a bit of paper. And they went, oh, hi, Sam, uh, you know, I'm calling from so-and-so Crow's office. Uh, you know, we want to invite you down for an interview. And so it almost, because they followed, I always say, I, to this day now, if they never rang me that day, I don't think I would have joined. Yeah. It was kind okay. of a push. I mean, I wasn't a shy lad growing up, but I wasn't massively outgoing either. So getting that call was definitely something that took me on that first step. And then, and at, the, and at this point, you're still at school, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I would yeah. have been, yeah, 10 for us in the right. English system. Wow. So I would have been, yeah, 10, you know, cl- probably closer towards the, air, the end of year 10. Um, and, yeah. and I actually started the process while being 15, knowing that you can't mm-hmm. join until 16 and how many months i think it was 16 and seven months was, and was your were your parents supportive of this it was strange in the beginning my, my dad was dead against it because he thought obviously afghan was a very you know it, what year is this just out of interest this would have been about 2009 we're talking about at the right, moment okay, i started okay. in 2010 so 
It yeah. would have been about 2008, 2009. So Afghan was in full swing. And, you know, so dad was against it. If you go there, if you join the military, you know, you could die, basically. My mom was like, mm-hmm. yeah, do what, do what you're going to do. And I later found out that my mom actually never thought that I would ever join. So she was right. always supportive okay. on the fact of, ah, you'll never do it. Was and... it almost a bit of a reverse psychology? It's just like this, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's this pack his bag for him and, and see yeah. if he goes. Yeah, probably more or less, yeah. But it ended up being that my dad, you know, a lot, you hear people are trying to join when they're young. And because I was under 18, you obviously need your parents' permission to, mm-hmm. to join, to enlist. And my dad ended up being, you know, I'm I'm from like a broken family home, but my dad's always yeah. been there. And, uh, you know, he was there every step of the way, helping me, supporting yeah. me. And he, you know what? He has been ever since as well. So mm-hmm. I, I owe a massive gratitude to both. My mum and dad, yeah. to be fair, for how much support they've given me. But... Yeah, and and that's the way it kind of played out. And then I joined by twenty ten, and that was me. That was me in the mix, starting my training at Winchester. So that was the start. Yeah, and what what was your um, what was your role while while you were there? Did it change, or did you have a a goal as a sort of a role that you wanted to do once you'd signed up? I kind of just wanted to be hands on. I mean, I think I, I you know, even now I am not, you know, I'm not an engine head at all. Uh, piston head i think they call it uh you know at all but at the time i wanted to join the remi as a vehicle mechanic and i very short yeah. very quickly sorry found out that that wasn't something i wanted to go into when i basically got a list of options of what i could go into and i chose fabricator welder i just thought hands-on you know welding i've never really to be honest i didn't fully know what a welder did I, yeah you know, I, so, I so you've the... not you've not you've not watched flash dance then no absolutely not <laughs> Don't even know what it is. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> it's about it's about a, a, a girl who strips at night, but during the day she's a welder. Oh, don't right, worry yeah. about it. We'll move on. I'll catch up. It on was that the one. it was the it was the eighties for right, a different okay. time. <laughs> There'll be a lot of people that do remember it. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I didn't even know really know what a welder was. It was just one of the options that sounded the best. It was a physical trade that you could pick up. So by trade, I'm now a my class one fabricator uh, welder. So I hold them qualifications in the back pocket and but, this isn't something that you thought you might take you, you know take that skill and leave and 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 world somewhere else I suppose is there you know there, there was a yeah I, I think before the garden and the lawn care and you know however you want to mix them words together uh, mm-hmm. before that came along it was always like I say it was a back pocket qualification it was if I leave I know that I'm qualified to do this and, you yeah. know, it, it's pretty good pay as well. And depending on how dangerous you want to go, depends on how much you want to be paid, really. So it can mm-hmm. it, it can be really good. So, But <clears throat> overall, I didn't really, I didn't have a passion for it. I enjoyed doing it when I was doing it, but there was no passion there to kind of pursue that. And, and it's really bad for your health, like massively with the fumes. And we used to have to yeah. get an injection every three years. That it like got rid of the toxicity of all the fumes that you would have took in. And the- right, well. Yeah, it's it's really not good for you. Um, so depending on what you do, you kind of got to watch your health with it as well. So did you move away from welding and move into something else while within the the, the military? No, so I, I stayed as a, a welder. So that's what I've been all the way through, fabricator welder. Right, okay. And the, the thing is about the military, and they throw out these jobs, and a lot of the time, depending on what cap badge you're going into, although you get qualified in it, don't expect to be doing it week in, week out, unless you may be a driver. Because 
I mean, fabrication and welding. I I done it when I was deployed in South Sudan, and obviously I done my year and a half training to become one. But other than that, there's maybe two years that I was in a welding workshop for out of the other ten, maybe. Right. So, you know, not long at all. Um, you get a lot of skill fade, and you got the qualifications, but not necessarily so, the experience. So what? If you've only been doing it for a couple of years, what what were you doing for the rest of the time? What's so your sort of yeah? So I mean, there was a good bulk of time that I mean, we're coming through. Training takes a good while. You spend a couple of years just training, getting qualified, and then generally, when you come to a unit, especially in the Royal Engineers, you are kind of just a bod. So you're a combat engineer uh, before you're anything. I mean, you're an infantry at first, technically, then a combat engineer, mm-hmm. then you're a welder. So you do quite a bit of combat engineering. This is things like explosives, bridge building, uh, workmanship, different things. Again, you don't touch on them week in, week out. It's not the way it works, but it's what you do on exercises and deployments. But to one side of that, the biggest part, I suppose, of my time was I was a PTI, so a phys- physical training instructor. Done that yes, for see, this is... I was going to say the welding's like news to me. I I I I was under the impression that you were sort of more in the fitness side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's something you did alongside it, was it? Or so that, or, that's or like you an, kind of went from one to the other. So you you can only join as sorry, depending on what you go into, you can join as a as a trade, for example. But mm-hmm. after after that, you can do additional courses. So you can go do physical training instructor. If you get like sort of, you basically need to be selected within your squadron, and then you spend a bit of time in the gym. You do a bit of shadowing, basically a bit of training, and if they think you're good enough, you then get sent on a course. It's only nine weeks, but you best it qualifies you as a level three PT by the end of them nine weeks. Yeah, so by the reps representative, if if anyone knows what reps are for our physical training instructors, but you can go on extra courses like that. You can go do your your par. Uh, like an airborne course, basically, or commandos course. So there's a few different things. Divers course, that's another quite a big one. You get paid extra for being a diver. So these are all different things that you can go out and branch out and do. And yeah, PTI was one of them and the one that I fancied. And did that, am I right in thinking in the army, if you're a PT instructor, that is pretty much your only job? To an extent. confused. No, no, to an extent. So once when you... If you're posted in the gym, so there's a difference. You can be qualified as one, but not be yeah. posted in the gym, which usually means you just pop into the gym to help out on PT, and then you'll mm-hmm. go back to normal work, whatever that entails afterwards. Whereas, you know, I got posted in there for on and off over about five, six years between being yeah. a gym to IC and just a squadron PTI. So, so it was kind of here and there. But when you when you were posted in, it was for ninety five percent of the time that was your only job. Okay. Okay. So one of my questions was, um, and I'm presuming your answer would be loads, but um, is it true or false that you're not a true soldier or a true military type if you don't have an old pair of high-tech silver shadows in your garage? <laughs> that, that's pretty much uh, That's pretty much true. <laughs> okay. Okay. I thought that was the case. So um Next time we see a, a shot of your garage in a YouTube video, I shall look out for the uh, the old oh, silver shadows. They're definitely gone. They're definitely oh, really? gone. Oh yeah, definitely by now. I mean, so it used to be. Sil- I mean, and people wouldn't know what these are. These are silver shadows are a, a PT shoe trainer that you used to get issued, but it they changed over to something else. 
with a different oh, okay. name, not nearly as catchy. And yeah, so they were out of service quite a long time ago. Like, but uh, yeah, oh, I got okay. rid of them okay. as, as soon as I could. <laughs> they were very big in the eighties. I'm sure everybody had a pair. Yeah, um, I'm going. I'm going on about the eighties too much here, but that's okay. And also, while we're just talking about kits, have you budgeted for the fact that you're not going to get free socks anymore? Uh, yes, that is also a big thing. I mean. And it's not like I was signing out socks and equipment to use for the business. That would be somewhat illegal, probably, in the military's eyes. So I never used to do that. But (laughs) but the option is not even on the table anymore. So, yes, things like that and boots and whatever else, things that you could get away with possibly wearing while you're not in work, yes, is something that you've got to get used to paying for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I, uh, you may have, you, uh, I'm sure you know. I've spoken to a friend of mine, and that was one of the things he was like, "Pull him up on the free socks." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, so in the way in the way it works in the military is, is like, exp- there's items that are basically expense that they're never gonna ask back. That that's things that you can wear, get sweaty, get dirty, get ripped. Socks, you know, boots. You know, they're never gonna give them to someone else. Yeah. And then you've got stuff like helmet, body armor. And they do require that back, like respirators, because they're like three, four, five hundred pound bits of kit and the rest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. That clears that up. I was wondering. (laughs) Um, So so presumably when you do your hourly rate, you've uh, you've worked in fuel um, equipment (laughs) and socks, socks, which makes perfect sense. It does. Um, Cool. So so you're in the military. It's going well what what was the reason what what made you were you what's the word i'm looking for were you thinking about coming like coming out and needing something to do or was it a case of you just i i know that you were you know you took a lot of pride in your old garden and i'm sure mm. you will in your new garden but was it yeah. a case of you you were taking pride in your garden you thought you know what i really enjoy this and then it led to actually, I could leave the army and do this. What, which came first? I so I kind of had a timeline, and so I I knew I didn't really want to stick around for the full twenty four years to get a full pension. Simply, you know, that's another twelve and a half years nearly, or tw- another twelve years from where I am now for me to stick around in a career that I'm not fully happy in, just to get the full pension. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't work like it used to. You know, you got to be a lot older now before you receive your pension, as everyone knows. And so for me, the benefits weren't quite there to stay in. So I knew I was going to be getting out somewhere around this sort of stage in my career, 13, maybe 14 years at a push. But for me, what it was is uh, my son was born in 2015. And basically the first year in a little bit, you know, I got posted straight off to Germany family came then went home because they didn't really like it over there and it, it it made it difficult not being around family you know it's partners are one thing but anyone that can kind of feel that of having a child and wanting yeah. to be there and to bring them up I was basically non-existent to a degree for the first year of of his life you know I, I yeah. feel like I missed a bit too much and but you know in my head Kids don't know that much at that age, you know, as in consciously what's happening. So that wasn't too much of a drama. And then when he was about two and a half years old, after me being back local with him, 
I then got deployed for six months. And that was, he took that a lot harder than what I expected. You know, mm-hmm. he, he acted out for his mother at home a little bit. And, you know, the calls while I was overseas, you know, there was a bit, of, he wanted to speak to daddy and he was upset. But then equally, when I got on the phone home, it was like, bye daddy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. it's one of the typical with kids, the one, the parent, and when they're there, that it was like, you know, yeah. got no time for. Because he was also at that, that age where you just, you just, you know, three-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old doesn't have that much to say on a phone call, as anyone will of probably course. know that's got yeah, young kids. Of course. Um, but, yeah, so I just, I knew he was kind of struggling just from the feedback I was getting from back home. And then when I came home, it was kind of like this six-month thing post-being home in which he he wasn't, he always wanted me there. And it was just a bit of, it hit him harder than what I thought it would have done. And so while I was out there, I managed to line up the job that I finished off in, what was in the welfare department. And what that, I'm not going to go into it too much, but what that was is it's a non-deployable rule. So when people do get deployed, you kind of look after the families and the soldiers that are left on camp. And uh, I I was in that for two years and got extended to three. And during this point, when I was non-deployed, COVID hit. so. I was one of the lucky ones that I could work from home with a laptop. And, yep. you know, I basically worked from home for about three months. And that's where that what you're on about kind of started to begin. Um, started working on my own garden. I always had such an interest in, in gardening anyway. And, yeah, the, it turned into a passion more than just a chore. And I've talked about it before in which very avid golfer as well at the time. And I yep. used to really appreciate the course, even though I knew nothing about it. And just used to love golf and had a pure passion for golf. You know, I used to really appreciate it. I used to appreciate this, like a striped green, a striped fairway, and just how beautiful it was. And and during COVID, it was almost like, oh, well, I can't get on a golf course at the moment. Therefore, let's try and bring some form of the similar landscape to, to the, back, uh, the front garden yeah. there. And that's where that grew. And that passion turned into, oh, I wonder if you can make a bob or two from this. And that's when the YouTube black hole started. And yeah, I yeah. found people like yourself, actually. And it, it grew from there that I was like, oh, people's getting paid to do lawn care and to cut hedges. And that really sort of a little fire, like, oh, I could try this. And from there, it really what took led me down the route that I've taken. Well, I'm glad I didn't put you off. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that was, so. so was that a case of, um, you're, you're now mowing your lawn during COVID, and you think, do you know what? This is this is it. I'm 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 handing my notice in as soon as I can. Or or did you you start doing some jobs? And see, when I went when I started the lawn guy, I never intended for it to be a full time job. It was always supposed to be a part time thing, um, just to uh, what's uh, uh, complement subsidise my my wages from the golf course. And then after, you know, it pretty quickly realized that I was a fool to stay at the golf course um, yeah. and not go full time. But the intention was never to do it as a full time thing. Was that similar to you or was or did you as soon as you realized you could do it through watching the YouTube? No. You were like, right, I'm out. It was it was very much. <clears throat> so it was a gradual approach of getting getting better at what I was doing and finding out a lot from just getting hands on and kind of working it out from looking at things online, self-teaching, reading, uh, practicing. And from there, that's when it kind of turned to, and you got to bear in mind, I am maybe at this point, something of a 25 year old man, you know, I'm recently divorced by this point, 
And I, in order to see my son as much as I wanted to, I had just bought a house by myself as well. So and I'm paying mm-hmm. maintenance, things like this. And really, it was if I can make back any of the money that I'm paying towards either maintenance or towards my mortgage so that I yeah. can live a little bit of a better life, then, then you know, this could just be something on the side. And kind of like what you're saying, I mean, within the first 30 days after setting up, I made close to a grand of, you know, just getting going and yeah. like doing a part-time. And I've, so I thought, all right, well, now I need to go sole trader because I've hit, I've hit the grand in, you know, in what was three and a half weeks rather than uh, rather than it being way less than like I thought it was going to yeah. be. Yeah. And so to me, that was like, God, I'm not even putting that many hours in. I've, I've pulled mm-hmm. this together within within the turnaround of maybe six to eight weeks of like advertising and then starting, this could be more, you know, this could actually be something really lucrative. And I really, I still love it, but the buzz I was getting was something like I've never, I've never experienced before. I I remember, I remember the buzz. Uh, I remember the, you'd you'd phone someone up and, you know, chat to them. And the next thing you know, you're, you're there and you're, potentially you know they're giving you money straight away and you're like wow that well that was easy wasn't it yeah yeah and I think you know for me it was just like I sort of I kicked myself in a way of like why didn't I do this sooner but you know it's a bit for everybody it's you've got to do it when the time's right i.e I could have gone I could have done it sooner but my life outside of work wasn't wasn't there do you know what I mean yeah. it was a bit all over the place and things like that so it was uh it, it, I think everything happens at the right time is, yeah. is truly what I sort of believe and I, I know certainly in my case it's it yeah hindsight said I would have done, I should have done it earlier mm-hmm. but in reality when I think about it I think no do you know what I it, it was it was perfect as it was as, as it happened yeah um well, the, and I'm well, sure that... that's the case for you yeah, well, that, that's one thing with it. And like, if anyone ever listens back to all these, I've never once said, just do it, just jump, just completely leave your job and jump into the, you know, this new career. I've always said, you know, just make the step, like just do it as in start. You don't need to go full time or anything like that, just start. And I think until you do that and you realize what your situation is, because everyone's situation is different and everyone lives in different locations. Like it might not be the same for you as what it is for Johnny in two towns over. So you've really got to just kind of find your own feet with that, I think. And by doing something like part time and figuring out, can this work? Or like, what is the aspiration? What's the goal? You know, it's a whole thing to to build on. And I think the possibilities are endless, but you can very much run it back and you can start as slow as you ever need to, you know, to make it work. Yeah. Absolutely, because that's the thing. You can always say no to jobs. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think sometimes people are scared of saying no. Um, people don't want to say no because they think mm. it will reflect badly on them. But yeah. actually, you know, it's it's a case of that. that's a good opportunity. You know, that's a good place to be, I think, saying no to people. Um, and I would always, you know, my, my, my a big piece of advice to people listening would be, you know, if you are flat out, say no to people don't say yeah 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 i'm sure i can fit it in possibly and then not because actually <laughs> yeah. you know all people want is a yes or a no that's yeah. all that's all they want and they don't want to be ignored especially yeah. in this in this world of google reviews and stuff like that mm-hmm. um you don't want to be getting a one star 
you know, didn't get back to me type thing. Whereas if you can just be upfront and say, look, I'm flat out, I'm ever so sorry. Yeah. Um, they will respect that and they will move on at the minute we're, we're talking to builders for a, with an extension. And um, we've had, we've had the four builders come round two months ago and we've had two quotes back. One of them came through two days ago wow. and it's trying to chase people up and, and everything. And it's just, we're, we're, we're just at the point of just going, if you don't want to do it, just tell us. Yeah. It's okay. There's plenty of builders out there. Um, and I think that's the, you know, that, that would be my advice to everybody is, is it's better to say no than to, to try and cram it in and not be able to do it and let people down. Yeah. Um, so yes, cool. Right. Well, I think this will be a great opportunity to stop for a quick advert. So um, we'll see you on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Total Loan. Total Loan provides scientifically engineered loan care products to homeowners, hobbyists and loan care professionals. Their range of fertilisers and biostimulants will keep your lawn looking lush, green and moss-free all year round. I use Total Loan products for my customers and on my own lawn and I think you should too. The team at Total Loan put quality above anything else when they're producing their loan feeds. They use ingredients that are rarely if ever used by their competitors to give you the best loan possible. Try Total Loan today at totalloan.co.uk and use code Care at the checkout to receive 10% off your whole order. Total Loan are so confident in their products that you can use them on your loan and if you're not happy with the results, you can get in touch with them up to 90 days later for a full refund. Go to totalloan.co.uk and transform your loan. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Um, and just a reminder, we have Sam Jaroki with us. Uh, you might know him from... Um, from well this podcast in fact <laughs> so sam we, we we've sort of started at you know at school and then we've gone through to your life sort of in the military do you think and, and actually we kind of touched on it which something i wasn't aware of is with the welding and stuff but what how what skills do you think you've learned and picked up in the military that you think you can turn to the gardening business where, whether it be a welding a trailer back together or something like that perhaps in the future yeah, I think not so much the physical traits of what I can cross over as in buy a welder and actually fix up some equipment, but more, but what, which would be great, by the way. I do know for a fact that with half the things I see in this trade, and I think we spoke about it offline not long ago about a certain product that could be fabricated and put, yeah. on, a, put on a mower. You know, a lot of these things, you know, for example, like a lawn loot or uh, a holotine manual core area you know yeah. things like this i know i could make them with the right materials like the skills there to be they're all pretty basic designs but all of that to one side it's probably the adapt and overcome it's just a phrase that's used thoroughly in the military to, to adapt and overcome and whether that's having little resources and having to make something happen or just sort of problem solving your way through and kind of getting to an end result. I would say that's the biggest thing, which basically yeah. covers the whole military career more than the trade. But it's something yeah. that's been very, very obvious to myself that I've I've kind of had a natural ability to do. So I would like to think yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, certainly from the golf course, if you if you had a breakdown or if something broke or something like that, you always could 
you know, even just phone someone to go up to the greenkeeper sheds and get you a jack, get you a, a tool, a spanner, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was sort of one thing is obviously when you're out on the road, you've got to have everything with you because, yeah. you know, time's money and you can't be driving here, there and everywhere trying to, trying to, but, but then equally you can't carry every single tool. So sometimes <laughs> you've got to try and improvise yeah. and, uh, and come up with different things um, to, to make the day go properly um mm-hmm. so yeah no I, I i agree that that's pretty good is there anything sort of in the i don't know in the in the way that you obviously have to interact with other people that might be something that you know you've learned i don't know if you i can't remember if you said you were quite a shy boy sort of growing up or or you were outgoing in the sense that actually speaking to customers you know has, has the military brought a bit of confidence to you in that respect the confidence, I would agree with massively. So I wasn't necessarily shy or outgoing. I was just one of them average Joes growing up, I would say, very much just in the middle. Nothing fazed me too much, but equally I wasn't I wasn't too scared of anything either. I was always happy mm-hmm. to kind of give something a go. But yep. I think, for sure, I mean, and to give some credit due to the way that I grew up, probably more than what the military done, is the military installs a lot of things like confidence in your own ability you know, just to hit a deci- uh, hit a situation and try and make the best out of it, don't give up, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, the way my mother raised me is probably, you know, my whole family really, not just my mother, but that's probably what I've seen come through a whole lot more. You know, when people talk about being professional and polite, you know, they're, they're things that you actually learn very early on in life, I found, you know, yep. when I look back and I, I think we were speaking about it, I can't remember. And it was the fact that my mother would always be there on a sleepover saying, have you said your P's and Q's? Or she would ask Mrs. Jones afterwards, did he behave when he stayed at, you know, John's house? Whatever it might be. And uh, that, instilling that politeness, I found that when you go to a client and you can read a client and then how yeah. you re- how you act and how polite you can be, I found it served me massively because it makes people want to work with you because it, it breaks that trust barrier pretty quickly when you've got these basic skills of communication and being yeah. polite. But yeah. from the military side, it's the confidence to go in and to have confidence in what you're saying and in your own ability. That's from the military, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Throughout the, the time being a PTI, you know, you can be there taking a lesson with 20 people. You can be there taking a lesson with 120 people. And I've done both. And what what it does is you kind of, the the image of everyone that you're speaking to is kind of blurred out and you're kind of just talking to the room rather than to a person. And what that allows you to do when you, when you do that is it takes the pressure off and you are just talking and teaching through what you know and your own ability rather than yeah. trying to almost impress one person or get worried about the one person in front of you. So being able to approach and just be able to say what I know to a client yeah. and read their reactions is has been probably the biggest thing I've noticed to kind of pull across in the communication mm-hmm. side. Yeah. And do you do you think and will you use your the fact that you have served uh, in the army as a, a selling point? Do you think it will is it going to be part of your your marketing or branding in any way? That's a really good point. I think in the big you know, I'm very proud of even though I haven't, and I'll, I'll say it openly, I haven't been on a Connect tour, I haven't been to Afghanistan or Iraq, and you know, but nonetheless, I'm still very proud of of giving some of my time in my life 
to, to a military service. And, you know, I think in a different era, possibly I would do. Like, I'm not proud of it that I would stick a veteran's badge on the back of the van or, or say yeah. veteran-owned company. And I know people do good on that line. And well, I was really going to say, because as you know, I live very close to a very famous military town. Yeah. And there are uh, a building company, and they're literally ex-army builders is the is the name. Yeah. And I thought they were just a couple of guys who'd obviously maybe served together. But the other day I saw the biggest sort of grab lorry truck thing drive past with uh, with their branding all over it. And I was a bit sort of, wow, like this is yeah. – um, and it made me think, you know, literally, you know, as, as people leave the army in this area, is that – do they just recruit you know they just recruit ex-servicemen to come and work for them yeah um and do you think i think i've spoken to you this um briefly before if you were to look on look for staff in the future i know you have someone helping you now but if you sort of grew it to the point do you think that is somewhere you you would go to to get your guys yeah yeah i mean the thing is the the military is like any organization in in the fact of there's going to be a massive mix of personalities that come through. You're going to get some dipsticks. You're going to get some some people that are probably the most switched on people you've ever met. And you're going to get people that are just grey men in the middle. Same as probably what you get on a golf course. Same as what you might get working at Tesco. The people that want to go above and beyond and the people that want to slack off. And it is no different in the military. But one thing that you can be kind of almost certain of is that they've got somewhat a decent level of discipline and they've got somewhat, when they get told to go do a job, they'll go do the job. And yeah. so I think because of certain traits, that's what gets companies in uh, wanting to recruit uh, military people. You see BT doing it. You see um, so BT Open Reach, they, they recruit a lot of signals guys. You see some of the forestry commissions. They try and they've got like a certain amount of ex-forces that they want to build, uh, bring in. The railways, they're trying to bring in ex-servicemen. So that's for that reason is that they know they've got them certain traits. So for myself, absolutely. Like I'm I'm not against it at all. It's I wouldn't go sitting at a military camp, but what I would do is when they have the job fairs on and the do they try and show military people because a lot of them's in my same case as me, you know, they've joined at sixteen, seventeen, eighteen and not really had so much of a working life beforehand, you know, for a for mm-hmm. a pr- pretty yeah. big percentage of you know, I worked out the other the other day. I spent forty three percent of my my life as a whole from being born serving in the military, and yeah. it's it's a it's a pretty strange statistic when you chuck it out there. That nearly half my life, you know, and I'm not Ooh. that old, has been well, that, spent that doing was, that. That was the same when I was at the golf course. I I joined when I was um, seventeen and eleven months. And I left 18 years later. So literally, mm-hmm. my boss had been my boss for half my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and not really sort of growing up with any sort of father figure in, 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 as, with, with regards to my dad. It was almost like my boss was sort of, in some, in some cases, mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When you, when you look for, for someone, it's sort of like the only, the only sort of male authority figure was, had been my boss. Um, and it was, it was all a bit weird sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, you know. But it, but it, but it was mad when you think about it that you you give so much of your life to something and then you, you 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 go away. And I suppose that's the 
that's the thing, isn't it? The army, as you, as you've said before, is a is a bit of a conveyor belt, and yeah. you know, once once you're gone, you're gone. Yeah. Um. And and that's it. They crack on, and um. I I, I remember at the golf course, it was the same. You'd you'd work quite intensely with putting not intensely like in the army, obviously, but you know, with with, with a small group of people, and you'd spend eight hours a day, maybe longer, with them. Mm-hmm. You'd see more of them than you'd see your family, and yeah. then one of them would leave. But the show still went on. So when they sort of came back to visit, it was almost like you, you, you're in the way. Like I need to get on with this, and yeah. and you never you never had time for them. Um, so when I left, I sort of made a point of not going back because I knew that you just kind of get in the way a little bit, even if it's just to say hello yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so I mean, I don't know how it works in the military. I know that you you will obviously make some friends, but is it is it a case that kind of now that the army's moved on and, and those friends are work friends and you, you sort of lose relationships now, or do you have some that you've made, which will, you know, you will keep in contact with? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, I met up with one tonight, you know, we're on a chainsaw course together on Monday doing our, our basic CS, uh, CS thirty one, I think it is the basic cross cutting maintenance and yeah. felling of trees up to 380 mil. Uh, so, you know, we're on that course together on Monday. So, there is certain ones that, you know, are staying in the area that I'll definitely, you know, they're planning on getting out soon and stuff like that, and they're staying in the area. I'll definitely mm-hmm. see them around and meet up with them. But then you've got the other ones that we call it almost a golden age between us, that there's maybe six or seven of us that we were together as, you know, basically privates. We call it sappers in in the engineers. And, you know, they were like your your very early days where, Almost when you think back to when you were at school, you know, and you think of that group of schoolmates that, you know, that or that that's the life, you know what I mean? That was the kind of thing for us. So although we are terrible at meeting up with each other, we uh, we will always somewhat be in contact and always try to meet up. So definitely, there's there's friendships there that that will never be broken, and I'll never knock yep. off a friend. I imagine, but. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's it's equally one of them down to your own personality and how you are. I I yeah. could very much, and it sounds really sad, but I could very I'm very happy in my own company to a degree. So yeah, equally the military kind of instills within you, as you mentioned, this conveyor belt that I you know that I referenced, and it's a it's a rolling door. You know, you you are only ever especially in the engine. It's not too bad in the infantry things like that where you can be in one base, one location for your whole career, you know, we're very much known as moving every three to four years. So with that, you can have a group of friends and then you can be gone. And then it's just like, it's just hitting the restart button. And it's so normal. And you come so accustomed to finishing a bit of training in one place and then moving to another. I think it's somewhere between like, I can't remember exactly, between seven and 11 locations I've lived over the past 12 years, you know. And uh, a lot of them are, you know, one after another very early on, but Nonetheless, you get very used to moving somewhere, living there, doing what you need to do, and then moving on. And with that comes being used to just a change of scenery, a change of situation. And, yeah, that kind of gets instilled within you a a little bit. Yeah. Okay, okay. So now that you're sort of – you're there, you've you've come to the end, Uh, you've obviously presumably had time to think about it and stuff like that. And obviously there's been good times and bad times – so um what what do you think you're going to miss about the services is you there know, anything yeah yeah i mean there's probably loads i could 
you know, and, and I haven't thought about this to that extent to be able to write it down, but there's probably loads of things that I'll miss that I'll probably wouldn't know that I miss until it actually happens. Is that yeah. as that answer sounds? But as I was kind of mentioning earlier on, because you kind of live in that environment, you kind of live and work, and it's it's a lifestyle more than a job. I think I'm going to miss just people being around. You know, we always yep, speak about yep. how it can be a very lonely trade doing what we're doing. And I think to be, to look back, it's the fact of there isn't a med center that's military to go see and go, you know, this hurts. Or there isn't, mm. you know, a group of people within your squadron that you're forced to see every day. And there is not a group of people in your block where you sleep at night, you know, 30 other blokes or women or whatever else. Um, you know, they're what you go back to and you're forced to see and you're forced to sort of communicate with. I don't mean you're literally yeah. forced, but no, there's no, there's no just... way around it that everyone's there. So I think being inside this bubble, and that's all it is, the military, is it's one big bubble. And you're kind of forced to like bounce off the walls of this bubble. And then when you pop that and you're out on your own, it's known, it's almost like the, the perimeter around you is all of a sudden grew by thousands of miles. And now you're yeah. like, now you're like, oh, I can, I can go anywhere. I can, I can do whatever, I can do whatever I want to a degree. And it, it was that sort of feeling today of, wow. First of all, that's that's me out. I don't need to go back there again. Out of all the times yeah. you have leave and weekends and go home each night, I never need to return to that place again. And secondly, just the fact that you're, you're on your own. Everything that you've been planning, lining up, working towards, having goals for. Right, I've I've spoke about it long enough. Now it's yeah, time to actually yeah. put my foot down and actually make it happen. So it's all on me now, and I know that. And it's. Uh, I think that's one thing odd. that I, I, when I was getting ready to leave, that I'd spent, you know, from 2014 to 2017. You know, I targeted that day, that mm-hmm. day when I was going to leave, and then you leave, and then you have a period of. Uh, you're just maintaining and you're just going through the motions. You've got your clients and you're just going through mm-hmm. and then you're just kind of treading water and you, you know, you need to, because you, you're big, your massive goal, your life goal, you've just achieved. Yeah. So now you need to find another one um, mm-hmm. and, and then start heading towards that one. I, I probably was a little bit longer doing that. I think I, but, but equally I probably just enjoyed the moment and I don't think there's anything wrong in that. Yeah. Um, you're right in what you're saying about, I thought I'd covered everything. I thought I thought about every possible outcome. Um, I'd I'd invested and got all the machinery while I was still working full time that I thought I would need. So you know, if I didn't make it, if so, if something went completely wrong and I wasn't making any money, at least I had the machinery to make money. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that hit me, and I never expected it, was loneliness. Yeah. And. It's a it's a little bit of an extreme case for me because my wife, she um she uh before children was basically out of the country for two weeks of the month with yeah. like three days here, two days there. So I would go to work and also I moved away as well from my sort of hometown. So I would go to work, potentially not see anyone because this is obviously pre COVID where everyone's all over the world. Yeah. Do a day's work, come home, no one would be at home sit at home on my own, go back to work again, potentially not see anyone. And I could go two or three days without talking to anyone. Yeah. Um, and I, I ended up going and trying to join a cricket club 
because I'd played cricket at school and I was like, I, I, I can't play football. I can't allow anyone to, you know, break my leg or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I thought our oh, cricket's, you know, pretty calm. And I was really going there for the banter and the beers. And I went to a couple of training sessions and I hadn't played in 16 years, <laughs> but you know, you know, I, I, you know me, I'll do it on the night. I just, <laughs> yeah. just a natural, but there was no banter. And I thought I'm not giving up my Saturdays to not have a good time, a laugh. I'm not here to play cricket at a high level. And um, it didn't, I actually, that's how I got into triathlon um, because the triathlon club was actually really social. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, or, although it's an individual sport um, it, it, and it provided me with some, some contact because like you were saying, you know, at the golf, at the golf club, like at, in the military, you're, you're forced into an environment where you have to speak mm. to people. And all of a sudden that that's, that's gone um so that yeah that for me was uh was the one thing i just never anticipated and uh loneliness sometimes is uh it's it's it can take you know take your mind in funny places fortunately i you know it was fine i was able mm-hmm. to an- acknowledge it really really early and do something about it but i can imagine if if people don't acknowledge that sort of loneliness then it can lead you down bad paths potentially um, yeah it's strange but, power that it can hold, isn't it? And I mean, I know from from situations, let's just say, that you know it it can have a huge effect. And I think until you actually, uh, and I hear when this happens, sometimes, sometimes I've heard things a thousand times, and it takes me to hear it in a certain way to actually click. And this is honestly live sort of feelings right now that ooh. it's um just kind of clicked in my head about it. And I think you're completely right in what you're saying. And it's something that you don't focus on. Like I've never, I've not once thought, oh, I'll leave and I'll be lonely. Like that can happen. But, you know, it's definitely something that I've, I'm thinking now is definitely, it could be a possibility. If I if I keep on going the way I am, then that is, that could be an effect of, you know, carrying on the way I am. So it needs to be, I think when you take these leaps and when you're coming out of, like what you said, even with yours, is a social environment and it's bantery. And you, I think it's very easy to not understand how big of a an impression that makes on yeah. maybe your overall health or your relationships or just how you are as a person. You might just think, oh, it's a lad's at work. But it's probably a whole lot more than that, especially if you're one of the social ones. So yeah. one thing I've I've said that I've wanted to do for ages now is I've lost all ability to 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 be able to play golf since starting the business more or less because they're just yeah. any free time I've had I've either been with my partner with my son or I've been back in the business and between them three it's left like no spare time so as I've always said somewhere between like 60 to 80 hours a week um a month sorry put going in on on sort of the business on top of the full-time job so it does take up a lot of them three hours that you have here or a few hours there and that's one thing that I'm going to put back into play this year is I'm going to make it a a duty of mine that I get back into playing golf. And that's, you know, one, I thought I'd just enjoy it. But the click moment for me now is that I probably need it more than would like to do it. And, yeah. You know, yeah. golf is for anyone that's played a very social sport, really, when as long as you're not always in the in the trees, like, like <laughs> I'm sure I won't be. But, you know, you're walking around, you're having a laugh, you're having a chat, you're making fun out of each other. And it's even with people that you've never met before. And I think that needs to be your priority 
And it's, it's, it's funny you should say this because I, up until just before Christmas and I went to Top Golf. I had, bearing in mind, I worked on the golf course for 18 years and I was a junior member beforehand. I hadn't swung a, <laughs> I hadn't swung a club since November 2016. And I remember okay. that because it was our, it was our Christmas do. I remember walking up to the 18th and just whispering to one of the other greenkeepers going, this will, this will be the last time I play here because I knew yeah. that I would be handing in my notice on the first, uh, the second of January or whatever. Yeah. And, um, at the time in November there, or just before Christmas, I played top golf and it was the first time I'd swung a club and it was again it's something with a couple of other sort of dads who who are got kids who are friends of my 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 kids um I just sort of set up with uh with them to try and get a little bit of interaction but also thinking sort of long term Mm -hmm. as you say you like you liked golf you liked the green the stripes lawn and everything else and then I'm thinking from a business point of view where where is a good place to get like-minded people who like green grass and striped you know if you have yeah. a van parked in a golf course car park yeah there's potentially a lot of wealthy guys in there who who are looking for that that yeah. green effect so actually as you say you're not only having a social you potentially are getting potential clients as well absolutely then, you know some some real sort of like targeted advertising well, that's it. I mean, you drive past. I'm lucky enough now that where where we've just moved to, we are literally only about two minutes from the nearest golf club, and they've got in their car park. It's like a they've got a car park lower down. It's a raised bun line where they've got all the practice greens and the the little the chipping areas, and basically on that hill they've got all the blank uh, boards saying like advertise your business here, and I've thought mm-hmm. about that for the exact reasons what you've said. I've thought. Oh, I should I should maybe inquire about one of them and see how much it is to to stick a, a an advertisement up. But yeah. it's the same thing me parking it there four hours on a Wednesday and four hours on a Saturday morning. Is it yeah. probably going to do more or less the same job? You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, you know, you think about what you might pay on advertising, and then you think about what you might pay on a green fee. Yeah, um, it's it. You know, I don't, I don't know if they're the same, but it's. <laughs> it's you know, at least you can sort of justify it and then come home to your wife and go, oh, no, honestly, it was a, it was a business thing. Had to yeah. be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I had to go. <laughs> cool. So I think we, I think the last question was um, what you're going to miss. So I guess the next question is what are you most going to look forward to um, in, in leaving and starting the business? I think one, so I, one thing that surprised me the most about starting a business and actually running with it was I really enjoyed the chase of trying to get clients. And then once when that happened, it was right. How can I, how can I get clients of maybe a, a wealthier demographic or the type of loans that, you know, would bring in a better profit per visit. And yeah. so I enjoyed that whole process of trying to not revolutionize, but trying to improve as I'm going on the business as a whole and market and just the business side as a whole. I just really enjoyed that process, never been around it before. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to not having any, there's nothing because family's non-negotiable to me. That needs to be now that I've got the chance to, that needs to be a center focus where I say, right, I do want to focus on, on the work and I want to turn this into something that's bigger than what I'm even imagining it to be. But, 
family can't take the hit anymore because family's taken a hit for as long as I've ever served. They come in behind the military and it's not even a decision. So now that I yeah. do have that choice, they're not going to take the hit. But I am looking forward to basically clipping the strings, I suppose, of this little puppet that my life has kind of been and just kind of going with it. And just I'm really looking forward to seeing where I can push the business to. And yeah, I suppose there's an element of finding who yourself is away from such a job as well. Yes. Once I'm yeah. in that environment. And I suppose, although I don't think about it, that I'll be anyone different. I mean, I don't know that. I, I really couldn't say if I am going to be any different or if I'm not going to learn anything about myself. So, you know, it's kind of a, you know, I'm not a massive spiritual person or anything like that to a degree, but I am very aware of myself and, and aware of that or open to that there's loads of different ways that this can play out. And I'm willing to sort of find where I where I place in in this big world of being yeah. out of yeah, that, I think, that job, you know. I, and I, I mean, I don't know if you found it because obviously you would have had people you answered to in the military. But sometimes, you know, I would find that I was doing jobs, not how I would do it. I was doing the jobs how I wanted. So I knew somebody else would have wanted it to be done. Um, yeah. And that gave me, you know, that gives me, me the freedom now to be who I want to be. and and do it how I want to do it. And there's, there's obviously you've got clients to answer to in a, in a respect, but ultimately you can, you can crack on and you can do what you want. And it's uh, you, you've got the option to, to take it where you want to take it and you're not capped by, by anyone or anything. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's a really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, sort of uplifting and uh, you know, great thing about it, I suppose. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, well, uh, but, but I also found I just couldn't face Sundays anymore. I couldn't face five <laughs> o'clock on a Sunday. Um, and I yeah. found that if I had to do a Sunday, it killed me. It killed mm -hmm. me for the rest of the week. And that was, I, I, I have done some Sundays every now and again when, you know, you've had a week of bad weather and stuff like that. But I, I honestly can say in the near, you know, nine years this year, I've probably done three. So, um, yeah, that's I'm, not a bad uh, ratio, is it? Yeah. And some of those have probably been like when there's been a wedding or something. So you've mm -hmm. kind of had to, you know, you've got to sort of get everything done by a certain date. And, you know, it's regardless of what days it is, it's just that's the day it has to be done. Um, to, to kind of go coincide with marquees being put up or, or whatever else it may be. Um, yeah. so yeah, that was the, for me, that was the big thing is I just couldn't face Sundays any longer. And um, for me, that is a family day for, for no religious reasons. Just, you know, one day has to be a family day. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and it's super important as well, isn't it? But it's having that time that you can put to one side and you can you can be in control of. And actually, when you mention it in the way that you just have, the other thing is just like you're kind of being free of it. And, and, and if a client was to speak badly about you or to you or be very rude, I know I'm in all, you know, I'm in fully control to say, sorry, excuse me, Mr. Jones, but I don't think this is going to work out. I hope you find yeah. out, find someone that can help you out. And, you know, I wish you all the best on the day ahead. And then you can walk away. Whereas I remember last year, yeah, it was only last year, you know, coming off from, I spent two weeks on leave. Uh, we'd done an event just before leave, spent two weeks on leave, worked through the garden and 
And then I returned and I seen this warrant officer walking through a walking through one of the units and he I've never seen him before in my life. And he goes, Oh you Corporal Jaraki and I so I turned around at Oh yes sir F this, F that, why the F weren't you here when bro you know, he just fully went to town mm. on me, like, you know, screaming in my face. And by this point, you know, I'm a twenty eight year old man. I'm guessing I would have been at the time, 28-year-old man, getting screamed at as if I had just done something massively wrong. And what it was, it was a huge miscommunication, but the military, there's that, and it's to kind of be expected to a degree, but I kind of came away from it being like, why didn't he just ask me? You know, why weren't you at this place at this time? And I I would have explained to him. And, you know, instead, I just got shouted at, and you just feel a bit like, I'm a bit past this now. So coming out, that's the only one <clears> that I won't miss is there is a lot of choppers in there or there is yeah. some choppers above the many, uh, among the many. And when you end up crossing one, it, it does make you question, do I want to put up with this? So yeah. there's plenty of bad things that or uncomfortable things in the military that I would definitely won't miss. Like, you know, sleeping for two hours a night over, you know, a couple of week exercise and basically walking around in the rain and the freezing cold for... 16 hours a day on patrols and stuff. So all of that sort of stuff I definitely won't miss. I, I'm looking forward to being in control of, I think I'll sit in the van for half an hour and and dry off a bit or, you know, yeah, just yeah. to be in control a little bit. But yeah, exactly. that has to be and, one that... That's, and you that's can tough. make the decision that actually, do you know what, I'm just going to go home and I'll do a longer day tomorrow. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, and what was I going to say? Um, one of the questions was, as you were saying, that is, although although that was a you know that, that that's a, that's an example of of like the hair dryer treatment you know like they do you think the military's not softened necessarily but you know how like they say Alex Ferguson couldn't manage in the premiership anymore because footballers are different yes Is, have you noticed a change it, it, it 100% has but what you've also seen is standards change and they allow people to come in under certain conditions that they never used to, and you know, without going into it too much. But yeah, a lot has changed. Even the physical training side of it's changed. The tests are slightly easier. I'll definitely say, you know, we we seen it in the in the PT side of things a whole lot more. You know, you had to get a, a basic requirement. If I ran through it now, thinking of it, it was forty four press ups, fifty sit ups, both in two minutes each, and you'd have to run depend on your age, under 10. Again, all of this is depending on your age. But as someone under the age of, let's just, being a youth, uh, you had to run a mile and a half in under 10 and a half minutes. What's well, not particularly hard, but you had people that struggled with it or they didn't have the upper body strength and they couldn't get the press-ups done or they were mm. very on the edge. And, you know, four years ago, three years ago, it might have been, they changed the... PT requirements on joining and on getting to unit that the whole thing changed. Now you don't have to do them. It's a different set of tests. Uh, you can kind of get let through a little bit and then catch up later on in the military. And just mm-hmm. with a lot of these, and then this is codependent before anyone picks me up on it. The paras have got a different time than what the Royal Engineers do, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, yeah. as an overall, you know, speaking about my core, you know, standards drop. And when you drop the standards, Obviously, people that weren't up to standard are now up to standard so they can get in. And that might also bring in a different mentality. You are able to shout at people, drag them out of bed at one o'clock in the morning and set up the beds outside. Now it's classed as bullying, so you can't do that. (laughs) 
you know, at one point you are able to be basically picked on to an extent to see if they could break you. And again, now that's bullying and people can say, can you stop doing that to me now? I feel like yeah. you'll make an example of me and they have to wind the neck in and go, yes, I will stop doing it to you. And, it, you yeah. know, so there's these things that once you used to be able, and it used to be worse way before my time and it, it's got easier for me. But mm-hmm. we keep on saying this, you know, at one point you used to have to run around bollock naked and and you'd be left in the freezing cold for a few hours and the first person to move, you know, would probably get, you know, a slap across the face or a punch to the gut. You know, we're yeah. talking probably like the 80s and 90s here. But mm-hmm. that didn't happen in my era as much because it wasn't, you know, it got slightly softer and it keeps getting that way. So therefore, yep. the people coming through are all very different to a degree. So it's it's a strange yeah. time that we're living in. I was going to say one of the reasons, uh, it's slightly different, but one of the reasons I knew it was my time to go. I remember when I first started as a greenkeeper, Austin Powers was very, uh, was very <laughs> sort of like the, the movie of the time. Um, so it was constant Austin Powers quotes the whole time, particularly <laughs> if someone, if somebody did more than a three point turn, then it was, you know, oh, Austin Powers moment. Yeah. And, um, I knew my time was, I knew it was my time to go when you would say, you would make a, an Austin Powers phrase or a reference and you just get this blank look at you yeah. and uh, you just go, <laughs> okay, yeah, I think we're done here. Okay. So really, I think we've discussed the, the, your whole career here in a sort of a, this is your life kind of um, esque moment. Um, yeah. So now that, now as of tomorrow, you are a, you are free to do what you want. Are you going to come to the dark side and grow a beard? Absolutely. And first of all, may I add, it's kind of like a P.S. Morgan interview. I was I was just thinking there. It's like the life yeah. story of. But um, yeah, no, absolutely. I do think I'm going to try it. I've, I right. So for those that actually end up seeing my face, as in you may watch my YouTube videos or follow us on Instagram, I do apologize in advance because I know, <laughs> I know, I grew a bit of a scraggly beard, but you know, after shaving every working day of my military life over the past twelve years. My face deserves a bit of a break. So I'm going to probably put on about 10 years. Um, I'm going to lose 10 years of youth, probably. But I have said yeah, that for the next yeah. three months. Uh, I heard it somewhere that, you know, you grow a beard for three months and you'll be able to kind of, kind of see by that point, you know, if you look decent with a beard or not. So I yeah. believe I'm going to, much to my uh, my other half's um, resent, is I'm going to try I'm gonna try and grow one for the next three months. And are you are you gonna become a hipster? Is that what you're gonna do? Have have a nice shaped beard and a a top knot, maybe. (laughs) Top knot. I don't think I've got the hair for a top knot. But um, (laughs) what it is, I think. Right. So, and this isn't judging anyone. Everyone's got their own beliefs or think of what they look smart looking at. For myself, always having you know short back and sides, clean shaven. I yeah. have got a kind of ingrained into me what being smart looks like. So what I don't want to do is grow a big beard and then get really long, messy hair, because that's the way that I imagine myself is that I just look a bit... Yeah. And yeah. Then I'm in scruff- yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... And then I'm in, like, scruffy gardening clothes and people just maybe looking at me and going, you know, he's a bit of a scruff. And that's yeah. probably not the case at all, let's be honest. But you know, the plan is on visuals is that the uniform will be the same, following the branding, 
I'll have somewhat of a beard growth and I will probably keep the same type of hair. You know, I'll stay under under control. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Do you, do you know, I sometimes, I, I, when we were at Celtex, so this is, a, this is a story for everybody else, but when we were at Celtex, we were, we're having a few drinks afterwards and um, myself there, Sam there, and we're having a chat and I mentioned that I used to have long hair. And yeah. um, and, and I'd I'd done some modelling and things like that, but and then so I'm always I'm I'm kind of like and I don't know whether I'm growing my hair now or not. I'm not sure exactly what I'm doing, but <laughs> I kind of think I should. I would like to grow it again while I've still got it. But yeah. equally, I've got that, but I can't because I need to look smart in front of people. Um, ah. But but I I so so I brought out this photo as you remember of me with long hair, and then Will Cronin then just unleashed this beast of hair oh, that he used to yeah. have if if you can remember if people know will he's been on the podcast before um and he was a proper i don't know sort of 90s grunger hair sort of like maybe like a good foot and a half long perhaps oh yeah um, and that was well. he totally he totally trumped me and i was just like <laughs> wow there you go um so so we won't be seeing that from you but uh but no, maybe a little beard. Okay, yeah, okay. that's for sure. I th- yeah, I still want to try and, and and like I say, I know there's people out there that's got long hair and you're a gardener. You know, there's no tear, but it's uh, it's just for my own perception of what I think I would look smart as. I do not think I would look smart with going going the full hog, hippieish kind of like yeah. what you said. So yeah, that's the plan. Beard, short back and sides, and see yeah, see if okay. I can pull it off. Because I. I'd... I've just set up LinkedIn, um, just got myself a LinkedIn account, and I was looking to do like quite a professional LinkedIn photo that yeah. they all have. Do you know the one where they're just turning, they're slightly off center of the camera and then facing yeah. back? Yeah. And I thought, oh, I can't do that because it's not, I've, my hair's such a mess. It's not the, it's not the, uh, the, the look that I would want for a photo like that. So it's like, I have yeah. to wait now until I've, I've cut my hair and smartened my act up. But uh, I'll do that one day, I'm sure. But yes, so. Just to finish off now, you've uh, you've left the army. You've uh, you've been doing lawn care and gardening for a couple of years now. What do you think is the biggest gardening mistake that you've made along the while you've been doing it? Biggest gardening mistake. You know what? Yeah. It probably has to be, and just because of the environment that I had is in, and by that I mean the the sort of schedule that I had to play with probably was taking on too much work it was pushing the boundaries and i thought i had it pretty good in the sense of apologies in the sense of i was turning down jobs and thinking that i was doing it right because i was kind of in control but Mm. i was actually taking on too much work at the same time out of every 10 i was turning down i would i would take on one that i was like i can't let this one slip and you know it'd almost be too profitable or too too much of a job that I really wanted to get stuck into, and what that kind of grew to is lesser quality in other places. So I'd either be rushing around, like the schedules would be would be really really tight, and yeah. you know I'd almost be late for picking up my son, or you know I'd be hitting dark all the time coming the winter because I'd taken on too much in the summer. And I know you've spoken about this with sort of renovations. You've learned that you can only take on X amount per year because you then run out of time and it eats into the next seasonal maintenance. So, yeah, yeah my my big mistake was probably last year 
taken on a bit too much work and having to reschedule probably too many of the same customers uh, one too many times. Like it never used to happen yeah. all the time, but I was, you know, maybe a few times on the trot saying, apologies, we're going to have to push your visit again. And that wasn't nice to do. And I think sometimes by trying to grow the business too much, you lose some of the authenticity and the professionalism of yeah. the business that you've created. So, okay. yeah, that was probably my worst mistake was taking okay. on too so much. So I've got, I've got two more questions, but I think this 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 answer has, has kind of answered them because the next one would be, you know, if you were to do it again, would you have done anything differently? And it sounds as though you, you've kind of already answered that, but was there, is there anything else you would have done differently? It it would be to assess. Like I, I always say to like check in with your business and have a look at the stats. It would just be periodically, if you feel like you're a bit too much under stress and things are going a bit too wild and you can't quite put your finger and you just think, oh, I'm busy at the moment, I would probably say to sit down and assess what's going on. And yeah. if you can spot a mistake at that point, then just, you know, acting on it or even just looking into it and going, right, well, do I... Do I need to do something to make it better? Is this time to bring someone on? Or do I need to lose, you know, we, we use the phrase, dissolve the bottom as you grow the top. Do I need to get rid of a client? And that's not what I did. I literally just, I knew it was happening by mid-season and I kept on making the same mistake over and over the whole of that year. You know, yeah. so knowing that this year I would have the space. I would, although I think I've already mentioned it in one of the last couple of podcasts there, is that, Roughly what I've built up um, completely books out week one and three of fortnightly maintenance, which leaves me just week two and four to to build up. And, yep. you know, so I knew that I would have the space coming in this year, but it I never lost any clients through it, but I myself didn't feel that I was doing as good of a job uh, in some areas as what I could have been doing. So yeah. reviewing and sort of acting on that would be my I advice. guess for, for me, that was one of the things that I... I did when I when I had that date that I was going to leave the golf course I was taking people on and I was working every possible hour because I, what I wanted to do was to build up that part-time job to a full-time job so yeah. that when I left the golf club I walked straight into a full-time job so I was taking people on and going right okay it's going to be at a weekend but I promise you come the first week of March you will then get a Thursday or a Wednesday or whatever but for the moment it's going to be you know a Saturday a Saturday evening or whatever yeah and, and and they would look at you as if you're a bit mad and go okay <laughs> and they go look I promise you this is what my this is my plan this is what I'm doing and um it was completely unsustainable mm -hmm. um because I was at just I was just knackered the whole time yeah. I was just working 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 then evenings paperwork trying to organize this that and the other but because I knew it was a short-term thing, I could live with that pain of and, and that hassle and that stress of doing it because I knew that came as soon as that date came along, all of a sudden, you know, I, okay, I wasn't going to fill an eight-hour day because at the golf club you start early, but I had a six-hour window that I was basically going to have available to get all this work spread around in and stuff like that. Yeah. So, it, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely... Um, it was it was definitely hard, but you know, with an end goal and an end game in sight, it, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. And I think also, again, you know, my next question is best advice, and it seems as though you've kind of answered that again. But but to anyone who's maybe not so much thinking about starting a lawn care company or a gardening company, but somebody who's doing it and thinking about making the leap, 
have you got anything really specific to 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 that in the in the way of advice i i think you know probably just on the spot what i think would be a good bit of advice would would be that it's a lot and and the chances are it's it seems like it's a big deal when you first start as then all of a sudden you're thinking oh i need to get an accountant possibly i need to get registered as a business i need to buy equipment and tools and that's like a busy part in the brain right like that that's that's a a thing to overcome anyway but i think to also realize that it doesn't ever fully slacken off and being aware that it does get hard you will still lose weekends and you know the odd weekend where you do need to work or or things are going to go wrong and you're going to get really stressed or that all the emphasis is on you being the business owner like you're wearing all the hats right um so my thing would be is to start as slow as you feel needs to be uh, as slow as you think pos- it has to possibly be sorry yeah. that was really tongue twisting but start off slow so that when it comes to it you know what you can get yourself into and by what I'm what I mean by that is because it doesn't ever fully slacken off to a degree like you have times that's really bliss and it it could it feels simple in that you're in full control but you're gonna have times where you kind of burn out and the world feels like it's kind of crashing in so by starting off slow you can figure out if it's definitely something that you want to do first because I think like anything you you can't do it half-heartedly so when you do begin, you know, make sure it's what you want to do would be my best bit of advice. Make yeah, sure that this yeah. is something that you've got a passion for, because if you don't and you just think this will make me loads of money, that you're probably not going to do that for the next 40 years because you need some form of passion there. So don't just look at what your mates are doing and going, oh, yeah, I'll try it. You know, try it. That's fine. But if you're going to go for it, then make sure it's something yeah. that you want to do. That's a, that it sounds very similar to advice that I've given on your podcast before, you know, where people, you know, you a business decision, you really should be making that for like in five years time. You know, mm-hmm. this piece of equipment, is this good for now or is this good for, you know, am I going to get a, a, a number of years out of this equipment? I don't want to buy something and then after six months go, do you know what, that it's, 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 it's redundant now. Yeah. Um, but equally if you're very, very new to this business, you don't want to be making decisions like that. You want to maybe just get a little cheap homeowner mower and set up and have a go, see if you enjoy it, see if it's something you'd want to do because it's fine. A bit like you in that way you enjoyed mowing your grass during COVID and COVID was a very, very kind summer. Mm -hmm. That's very different to being out in all weathers, being going from wet to wetter um, and, and colder to colder. Yeah. Um, and then uh, really sort of reevaluating your life choices. Um, yeah. So so have a test. Once you realise that it is something for you, then then you know it's like anything, isn't it? You you have to commit to it. Um, and uh, it's something that I sort of being in sport and things like that. I always I always think of um, there's a thing called the triangle of change. And it's all about, you know, if you want to change and you want to do something, then, you know, this is the triangle of change that will make that you do it. And, and step one is uh, the, the, I can't just think of the word now, um, the sort of like psychologi- psychologically, um, how you think about it and stuff like that, that you, you have to believe that you can, you can do it first. That's your mm-hmm. first step is to believe you that you can make that leap. 
and then you have to commit to it a hundred percent once you've kind of got the found the belief you've had a go you found the belief and then you commit to it 100 percent, and then you have to be um willing to suffer because yeah. it's going to be hard like we've both spoken about trying to do two jobs at once it's suffer but you have the goal of the reward of where you want to be at the end and you must be willing to suffer to get there and the reward needs to be greater than the sort of the pain that you're suffering to um to to, to uh to get to that reward mm-hmm. and that's sort of what you need to go through so if you're in a job and you're not particularly happy and you want to change it generally there has to be some kind of pain or there has to be some reason to to want to move on um to get there and you know when you think about the triangular change it's if you can get all these three corners in a line working together you're going to make that you're going to make that leap a lot easier than uh just giving it a go yeah well, absolutely um, it's it sounds basically like having great foundations doesn't it if you have mm. that as a foundation of everything that you're about to begin then there's no reason why you shouldn't succeed in what you're doing so yeah doing and that, that was something, when, you were just, point. when you were just speaking that was exactly what i was thinking is it, it is if you can take it easy slowly but build foundations first within your business yeah. then when you do hit the harder times it's going to be less shaky and you're going to be a little bit more prepared and that's a bit like what we're doing at the moment is for me you know preparing for this season you know yeah. when the when the when that moment comes and that grass starts growing it's 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 go 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 you haven't got time to go oh damn i needed to you know change the oil on that mower and stuff like that <laughs> yeah you know it all needs to be done now but i think we are coming to the end of the podcast now so i want to thank you sam for uh being a guest on your own podcast i hope that i've done good enough job um, in my guest host role um so uh thank you very much sam i appreciate you coming on to tell us your story absolutely no dave you've been a fantastic uh, guest host there and i appreciate this i mean this is a it's not something we, we kind of rehearsed or pushed out like that it was it was a idea that dave i'll give you credit for this that, that you had of what you thought might work well and and i'm glad we've done it there's been plenty of times i've touched on these subjects in a lot of like separate episodes being a bit not wanting to dive into it too much because it's to an extent it's not got anything to do with with gardening and lawn care but to be able to have the chance to sort of just talk to everyone about the story and what's led me here it's been really pretty refreshing so thank you very much i think that's the thing everybody listens to you every week um, and it's it's a good opportunity for people just to have found out a little bit more about you and your story and and where you've come from and to and how you've got to where you've got to. Um, but then equally, it's so many people will take that leap at some point, and it's it's nice for them to know that you know the two of us have both done it. Yeah, and uh, we are, you know, I'm well, I'm I'm still in business six years later, and uh, you know, you're just about to take that step. And yeah. it's it's just some positivity that you can do it. So anyway, as I say, thanks again, Sam. Um, I hope you enjoyed being on your podcast. No, absolutely. And uh, just one part on that, from what you're saying there, Dave, is also it's an example of two people that, one, you've came from a background that focuses on, on turf and caring for turf, and then you've went full-time doing it your way. And I've came from a background that's got nothing at all 
to do with this yeah. line of work and you know and I've been able to make it work as well to this point as well so you know don't just think you know oh well he's a greenkeeper or he used to work at a bowling green he used to work at you know grass tennis courts whatever it might be you know you don't need to be fully in line to be able to take a leap into it you could be from anywhere any background so no, but no thank you very much I do appreciate no that. problem no problem at all so if you've jo- enjoyed this podcast um, it would be really, really helpful to Sam. And I'd appreciate it too if you could share it. And also if you could do a review, particularly this one, nice five stars saying, brilliant guest host, we really should have him back again. Um, <laughs> obviously you don't have to, but if you can, that would be great. Um, and I think, yeah, so rate it, share it. And that's about it. I, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, let me know if you have if you haven't then that's fine you don't need to tell me about that um of course my name's been dave warner i'm also known as the lawn guy um i am pretty active on instagram at the underscore lawn guy and also i've got a youtube channel which is the lawn guy um if you haven't gone over please go over please subscribe um and like comment and do all those sort of things um it's it's all right but uh you know hopefully you'd enjoy it anyway Thanks for tuning in this week and I won't be here next week, but uh, I'm sure Sam will be. So have a good week and um, enjoy your, your listening pleasure, I suppose.